0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome in. It's that time for Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM channel 159. The Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get extended time with an absolute legend in this business. Mark Lawrence, at Mark Lawrence on Twitter. And Mark is someone who's been doing this, I think, 1970 maybe, 1971. He's 50 years in the business, like legit for real. And his playbook just came out. So we're going to talk to him about one of... The best football magazines, football preview magazines, uh, you can find uh, available for purchase anywhere. And of course, I'm going to get a whole bunch of Mark's opinions about the upcoming NFL season. And if we have a chance, we'll talk a little college football as well. But the focus today is football, NFL football with Mark Lawrence. Should be a fun, fun show. Before I get into that, I do want to give uh, all you out there in listener lands an invite. Uh, there's going to be, a, Westgate has a super contest weekend uh, every year, the Westgate Superbook here in Las Vegas. Uh, this year it's from the 19th to the 21st uh, of August, and that's a weekend where if you go to the Westgate here in Las Vegas, you can sign up for the Superbook. They have a golf outing, they've got uh, uh, panels to preview the upcoming NFL and college football seasons. Uh and uh, it doesn't cost anything. Uh it costs something to enter the contest, the super contest, but it doesn't cost anything uh to come for the weekend other than you know you got to find a room somewhere. Uh so that is the weekend of August 19th to 21st. And Sports Grid was just out here for the NFL draft and that was a blast. All right. If you didn't have a chance to come to Vegas for the Sports Grid uh, you know they were live programming all day. Uh, from the NFL draft and, you know, the uh, meet and greets and all that kind of thing, you missed something because it was fun and it was a cool opportunity to get advantage uh, to, to, to be able to see the guys that you listen to and see on air, to get to see them in person. Well, just an FYI for you. You know, i work worked for Wager Talk and the super contest weekend, Wager Talk's going to have a little a party as well. We're going to be giving away. Uh, Uh, you know, all kinds of free stuff. We're going to have our own little conferences. Uh, We're going to be hanging out at the Westgate as well for a little meet and greet uh, on that Saturday, the 20th uh, of August. So if you're looking for an excuse to come out to Las Vegas, this is a good excuse to do it. If you want to come out and sign up for some of the football contests, you can do that too. And by the way, you know, I work with Kelly in Vegas, uh, you know, uh, who's been, who's run a, uh, successful proxy service, because of course people who come out for the Super Contest weekend from out of town, they want to sign up for the Super Contest, but you have to be in Nevada each week to enter your picks. So you get a proxy to do that for you. Anyhow, the Winner's Circle Proxy Service is the name of her service, and uh, she said anyone uh, that uh, mentions Wager Talk will take ten percent off the proxy fee. It's a thirty-dollar value. I think it costs three hundred bucks uh, for a contest for the full year for them to enter your plays and you get uh, 10% off, $30 off. If you just mention Wager Talk uh, when you sign up for the proxy service, if you want to sign up for a proxy service, that's entirely obviously up to you. But that service will be available for you that weekend when it comes to the Super Contest Weekend. So hopefully I'll see some of you out here. You know, uh, something about Sin City in August. Yeah, it'll be 110. Maybe it'll only be 100. It's 110 this week. It's brutal in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, I'm very much looking forward uh, to being out of town next week and the week after. But (laughs) at least uh, uh, for this week, it's hot. For August, sometimes it's reasonable. You know, that Super Contest weekend. But hopefully, like I said, we'll get a chance to see some of you out here in Las Vegas. Um, It's certainly when it comes to meeting, look, meet and greets are fun, all right? Even for me, meet and greets are fun. Uh, you know, and I've been to a million of them at this stage. But I always enjoy getting a chance. You know, the, the people ask interesting questions. Uh, people come from all over, uh, all over the world, uh, who are listening to some of these broadcasts. So again, if you happen to be in Las Vegas or thinking about coming to Las Vegas, that's a good weekend to do it. The weekend August nineteenth through twenty-first. At the Westgate Superbook. You know, 4th of July, uh, just last week, and I'll tell you, it was the first time I can remember it being under 100 degrees in Vegas on the 4th of July. And Vegas in the 90s is comfortable, you know. That being said, the only thing you want to do in Vegas on (laughs) the 4th of July is go to the pool. The sun goes down, it's fireworks time. There's always a place I go off the strip. The strip is fine, you know, there's fireworks on the strip for the 4th. But uh, as a local, he always look for the local spots. There's a great spot uh, on the corner of Blue Diamond and Buffalo. It's a little mountain. It's called the uh, Exploration Peak Park. Probably takes 15 minutes or so to climb up it, maybe 20. Uh, all right, maybe a half hour, depending on what kind of shape you're in. Takes a little while to climb up it, but from that viewpoint, you get to see the whole valley. And the funny thing about the whole valley is a good measure of how much disposable income is flowing around town. You know, when Vegas is struggling. and the numbers aren't real good, all of a sudden you see a lot fewer fireworks. I'll tell you what, this year on the 4th of July, fireworks were flying all over town. So you get to see the big displays as well as all the little displays, which is why I enjoy uh, doing that. Not a bad place to spend your 4th of July, but this is not a town for parades or baseball or any of that sort of stuff uh, when it comes to celebrating uh, this particular holiday. When we come back, Mark Lawrence is going to join me. We're going to start breaking down the NFL from a Las Vegas perspective. Coverage continues after this.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: i got to call it Legends Week on Cover It With Teddy Covers. You know, we had Rob Vino on yesterday's show. Rob's a guy who's been in the business, I think, 30-something years. But our guest today has been in this business for 50-something years and an absolute legend in this space. Let's welcome him in, Mark Lawrence. At Mark Lawrence on Twitter, that's Mark with a C. Welcome to the program. How are you today, my friend? I'm
2: doing real good, Teddy, and let me say this, I will up rot by 10 years, not quite 50 years, 50 years is more of my marriage, but uh, here, let's say 40-plus years in the industry. We'll, we'll let it go at the house.
1: I thought you started, like, in the early 70s, when you were, when you were do, first starting to do, uh, first starting to handicap uh, at, a, at a serious level.
2: Well, 1975, uh, which would, I guess, in 2025, make it 50. Uh, All right. 19, 1980 is when I incorporated my business, so you know anywhere in between there uh, started paying taxes in 1980. It's, uh, that way, so it just depends <laughs> upon <laughs> who's listening. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing that you didn't do when you started, but you've done now for the last 30 years is put out an annual. I've got my copy. I have two copies actually. I have a digital copy and I have a hard copy. That's how I, <laughs> uh, That's how much I use this publication. I'll tell you what, flat out. I use it. Okay? You want to know what does Teddy Covers use? I have Mark Lawrence's playbook on my desk all football season. And there's a bunch of things I like about it. We'll talk about it a little bit. But this is your 30th anniversary edition for your Mark Lawrence's playbook. Uh, available on newsstands, at bookstores, et cetera, et cetera. When does it hit the newsstands? Is it out there right now, and, and what's in it? Well, it's going to
2: hit the newsstands at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, other major news sellers July 12. It's in stock in Las Vegas at the Gamers Book Club. Uh, they've already got it. They're flying off the shelves there. It's available on our website, so you can, you can get your hands on a copy if you want one now or wait until July 12th. What's inside of it? Uh, it's just a, a great compilation of college and pro football information that every astute handicapper wants to have at his fingertips throughout the course of the football season. We break last year down. We break this year down. We break teams, players, stats, trends, articles, angles, everything. So it's uh it's a bit of love and question about 30 years we've been doing it, and uh, we think this is our best issue in those 30 years.
1: Oh, that's, <laughs> that's saying something. And I'll tell you what I like, okay, what I use. I like the game logs, and I like being able to look at 10 years of game logs. You don't have to click anything. You don't got to go back and make three clicks to get to the next year and go back. You can see everything on one page, all right? And... When you talk about the game logs, they're invaluable for quick reference. I'll hey, how's this team do as an underdog under this coach? Well, you go and look, and boom, it's right there. How do they do every time that they uh, face Kansas City? Well, it's right there. Uh, easy enough to find. So I love the page for all with all the game logs and all the, the NFL season wins history. The strength of schedule data that you put in for the NFL. The coach's point spread. Uh, data, the college football transfer portal info, the coaching changes, the coordinator changes. Look, I don't work for you. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't vouch for uh, some of the handicappers advertising magazine. I don't know the guys. I can't speak for or against them. But this is a good football magazine. There is a ton of info. And 30 years you've been doing a football magazine over the summer. Let me ask you this. What are the biggest lessons you've learned about pre-season preparation for football? Well, the, the biggest lesson that I learned was putting this
2: magazine together, it's really helped prepare me for the football season, first and foremost. And if anybody who does that same sort of approaches the, 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 the game the same way, by putting their homework in before the season begins, you can give yourself a huge advantage to begin the football season. So, you know, we do a lot of the late work, a lot of the grunt work. You know, we tell you about uh, the transfer portal stuff, like you mentioned, uh, the players that have come, the players that have gone, uh, sophomores that played or didn't play last year. All that stuff is invaluable when it comes to uh, taking a look at a football team in its new year. Because as you know, Teddy, every team's complexion changes from year to year, especially in college football.
1: Sure, sure. And, of course, you know, this is a magazine that does both college football uh, and the NFL. And let me ask you this. When it comes to off-season prep, okay, 30 years of doing this or 40 years of doing off-season prep, 30 years of doing a magazine, what matters? What is the most important things you're looking for when you talk about off-season preparation to expect a team to be different than they were a year ago? And what does it matter? What uh, have you found over the years to say, hey, you know, this— this isn't really that big of a factor to, uh, to pay attention with. Uh, and I guess we're talking a little bit more right now about college football than the NFL. Uh, so let's keep the focus for college right here. We'll talk about NFL in a few minutes. Uh, but certainly when college football, what matters for the offseason prep and, and what have you found to be less of a factor?
2: Well, I think what obviously matters first and foremost is uh, is coaching. Whether or not you know we have a new coaching staff in place, and if we do, why did they make a coaching change? If we don't, uh, one of the first things that I will do is I'll look at coaches uh, and how the team performed. at this coach is coming back last year statistically, uh, did their stats match their record or not? You know, did the football team improve straight up and against the spread? That, but regress. Statistically, those are big red flags to me. Uh, so, you know, I use a lot of that stuff. There's so what we call a four year statistical review in the top of every team's page. And that's to me my starting point when I map out the beginning of the football season. Did they earn their record, their keep last year, or did they not? And if they didn't, what we're bringing in here right now, what changes we'll be looking at for this next season?
1: Well, now i got to ask you, and again, I'm I'm, I'm going off script here, so I apologize. (laughs) But you say, when a team gets better, straight up and against the spread, but their stats get worse from one year to the next, they're a team you're looking to fade. Clearly, there's a team out there that did that this past year. What team is that? Well, there are more than one team that did that. There's... uh four or five that did that
2: and uh, you know I'm going to make you look for those teams (laughs) because what it's going to make you do is they're going to say well now I see what he's talking about this football team you know look at their record they looked so good last year Um, look at let's just throw it out there okay let's throw out Michigan State from last year okay and let's look at the football team and what they did last football season Uh, it's a football team that uh, went from two wins to 11 yet they were out-yarded for the season. They gave up more yards than they gained. Yeah, that's a no-no, okay? Just that's for openers. That's a no-no. If you allow more yards than you gain and you and you vault to 11 wins in a football season, you're talking about a team that's going to be coming back here as overconfident as a team could possibly be. And not only that, they're going to be going into a lot of revenge-type situations uh, for teams like that. Uh, there are other teams here that did... Went, to, went from a losing team to a double-digit winning team uh, but went backwards straight up and against the spread uh, or, or vice versa. You know, they, they really improved statistically, but they went backwards straight up and against the spread. You know, that, everything's about uh, coming back to the norm, regression to the norm. And when you see atypical stats like that, you know, those are the types of things that we're going to want to hone in first and foremost. So those are the guys that I'll do when this magazine comes out. I, you know, I've done my work along the way doing it. But I will chart those teams to see exactly who makes the good list and who makes the bad list at the end of the football season.
1: And it sure sounds like Michigan State is likely to be on that bad list. Again, improved from two wins to 11. Last year, and yet out yarded for the season. When you see that type of statistical profile, Mark Lawrence says that team more likely to be overvalued than undervalued coming in to the new campaign. The Michigan State Spartans, a team that Mark is looking to bet against. We're just getting started when it comes to uh, college and NFL football talk. We're going to talk about how to react to teams that. Go against your expectations the first couple of weeks. We're going to talk about NFL preseason data, first year head coaches' data, coaches' specific roles, so much more coming up when coverage continues after this.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can always go and download, as a podcast version, at your convenience, any major podcast. I'll just search Cover It with Teddy Covers. And remember, there's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? Real simple. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV, at SportsGridRadio. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore Covers. And, of course, you can follow Mark Lawrence, today's guest on Twitter, at Mark Lawrence, M-A-R-C-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, Mark Lawrence uh, on Twitter. Mark, we're talking before the break about some of the teams that may have been overachievers or underachievers from last year. Michigan State is being a prime example of a team that won 11 games and yet was out-yarded for the season. I want to talk about teams that you initially get wrong. All right, let's talk college football specifically. You're predicting a team is going to be a good team, or you predict they're going to do well, but the first week, or maybe the first two games, they do poorly. Is your the opinion that you made over the spring and summer going to change after that, or? After a couple of subpar performances, a team you thought was going to be good that wasn't good, we'd be looking to bet on that team moving forward. I think the biggest part to that
2: answer, Teddy, is uh, when saying they performed poorly, it was it losing the football game, but yet they played well statistically? I wouldn't give up on a team like that, certainly not. If a football team that we uh, had on our fade list, our uh, bad list, and we wanted to play against them, and they won football games but were out yarded or outplayed uh, terribly yes i would keep them on that list so a lot of that decision making basically depends upon looking inside the stats at their performances and it's also going to change consistently each week throughout the course of the football season and uh, sometimes you can't be bullheaded about what it is you're doing you can take teams like i'm throwing an example at you like indiana hoosiers last year They were a preseason number 17 ranked team in the country. And if you'd have wanted to stand the ground with the Indiana Hoosiers all season long, they ended up being a two-win football team. They didn't come back to play to the expectations that everybody thought they were going to do. So at some point, you have to bail out on a football team. And at some point, you have to get on football teams. But again, it all depends largely to me
1: on how they're doing it statistically.
2: Are they earning it the old Smith-Barney way? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's, it's looking inside the box scores to figure out. It's not the final score that's going to tell you how good a team did or didn't do the first couple of weeks. It's, you know, if they move the football up and down the field and had uh, a couple of turnovers and freak plays go against them, well, that team may well be bet on moving forward. However, if you thought they were going to be a A-plus squad, and they come out and they get out yarded by Louisiana Monroe in week one and struggle against UTEP in week two. Uh, your opinion on that team is going to change pretty quickly. I talked about it with Rob Vino on yesterday's Cover It With Teddy covers uh, about how we're not politicians. All right. We're supposed to flip flop, we're allowed to flip flop. If you have an opinion about a team and it doesn't buy out, because I'll tell you what, Mark, for me, I'll say ch- like a, a, a summer's worth of work. If, uh, if my work showed a team is going to be good and then the first two weeks they're not good, f- forget the summer. I- I'm believing my eyes, not the what I've read uh, when a team wasn't on the field. Uh, are you that same way? Is it like, you know, okay, if a team wins the box score but not impressively, let's say, they're 35-point favorites, they win by a couple of touchdowns each of the first couple of weeks, but they don't do anything impressive. Like, how quickly is your opinion going to change? Because for me, it's about two weeks in. If a team's back-to-back, forget everything I did all summer, I'm going to believe what I saw. But in the back of my mind, I'm going to keep my eye open for that team to perform like I thought they were going to. And if we see signs, I'll be willing to change my opinion back. Are you that quick? Are you two weeks in that you're going to change? A week or two in, or is it uh, uh, you're going to take a little bit longer with your summer opinions before uh, uh, backing out of them? Well, I'll say this, uh, you know,
2: I think when the month of September is in the rearview mirror and we move into October, you should have a real good feel about a football team and be prepared to have made that move. If you haven't, you need to do so uh, because an elephant, or or I should say a tiger's not going to change its stripes. uh, But... Uh, everything all is, is all progressive it all just depends upon an accumulation of the season here. We can get ready for the football season and we can put ourselves in and say this we're going to like this team we're going we're going to zero in on this football team, but all that matters. All that matters, come October, is how they're playing football on the playing field. We, uh, we had thoughts, we had feelings. You know, uh, we, we were we were told certain things that maybe we were privy to that other people weren't, but it all goes out the window come October, and all that counts in October is how they're playing football at that particular time.
1: Sure, and, and uh, this is a lesson I think I learned pretty early, in my days in Vegas, which is, you know, believe what you see not what you read. And when you read how a team's supposed to be all this and all that, and then they're not, and your eyes clearly tell you that they're not, and the box scores clearly tell you that they're not, you know, uh, I'm going to believe my eyes, not what the opinion of that team was supposed to be prior to the season. I could have sworn Florida State was supposed to be good last year, uh, as one uh, prime example. And and Mark, before we shift over to NFL, I do want to, I guess, get something actionable from you in the college ranks. Um, You talked about Michigan State as being a bet against team, a team that you're looking to bet against right now, uh, coming out of the gate in college football, a team that overachieved to their statistics, wildly overachieved to their statistics from a year ago and therefore is likely to be overvalued in the betting marketplace. You got a bet on team or another bet against team to share with me right from the get-go in college football, someone we like, someone we don't like.
2: Well, I'll tell you a team that I'm going to be on to begin with again, but you know, we'll have to realize we'll have to put up the stop sign if, you know, if you know, our thinking was wrong, was sour and didn't pan out, but uh at the beginning of this football season here, I'm going to be on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And I know the whole world's been on Nebraska for 3 or 4 years since Scott Frost has been there and he's not delivered the goods and you know, people are wondering what he's still doing at the program and uh, all those good things yada yada yada. But you tear this football team down, and you look at their body of work last year. Eight of their losses were by eight or fewer points last football season. He signs a contract to stay on with the university and takes a pay cut to do just that. And the only reason Scott Frost is the head coach at Nebraska is because they could not have afforded to fire him, pay off his contract, and then have to dig into the coffers to hire somebody else. They would have been way, way, way beyond financial, fiscally where they're supposed to have been. So they agreed to, uh, they both sides agreed to take a pay cut and let's do this thing and let's build it up from the ground here. You take a look at their record here, Nebraska's record, or I should say their schedule this football season here. This is when we're going to know whether we're right or whether we're wrong. You look at their opponents that open up the football season here. In their first six games, They've only got one opponent that had a winning record last year. They need to take care of business right out of the gate the first half of the football season. If they do that, this is a football team that can turn the corner and be in a bowl game because the second half of the season for them, they face... Every opponent had a winning record except one last year. So this football team's schedule is divided and torn into half. Early early first half, a difficult second half. So if Scott Frost gets his football team prepared and learns his lessons from those close-call losses last year, the schedule is advantageous for him, I think, to begin what Scott Frost wanted to do when he returned as a prodigal son. So they will be a play-on team for me, at least through the month of September.
1: And you got a three-win team from last year is lined as a seven-and-a-half-win team. For this year. So the betting markets aren't sleeping. Yeah, yeah. The betting exactly markets aren't sleeping. And, of course, when you look at the Big Ten West, would you take a flyer on Nebraska to win the Big Ten West or Nebraska to win the Big Ten or something like that? Because there are certainly I, – I, I don't look at any of the teams in the West, whether you talk about Wisconsin or Minnesota or Purdue or whoever you want to talk about in the, in the West of the, of the Big Ten. None of those teams are elite. Not this year. So if Nebraska has that special season, would you look for some long-shot prices on Nebraska to do something special? Or are we just saying, hey, this is a team that coming into the campaign is likely to be an undervalued commodity because they were you know, played so poorly last year and the markets aren't hot on them just yet?
2: That's how long shots are, are evolved, Teddy, is teams just like this, the situation. There's there's no shoe-in in the West Division here. Wisconsin's going to be the team to beat. Certainly not a shoe-in to do just that. They're not head and shoulders above everybody else. And if Nebraska can get out to this good start, this good footing with these first six football games, win four or five of them, they've only got four true road games in the Big Ten this football season here. So if they just play according to Hoyle, don't go out of character here yes i'll have nebraska as a. will be buying them to win the west division here as a
1: nice healthy price and of course nebraska will play the very first game of the entire college football season from dublin ireland on saturday august 27th they are double digit favorites minus 12 and a half on a neutral field total fifty and a half and a half against northwestern i'll tell you what if we like nebraska there's nothing I like about Northwestern, Mark. I've read nothing but bad things, and, and as a broader picture, the name image like this stuff, the NIL stuff, is not working well for the Wildcats so far. Uh, real quick, any thoughts on that game and, and Northwestern? we got about 30 seconds for the break.
2: Well, the number tells you everything you need to know, Teddy. You know, you, you're talking about a, a Nebraska football team, 12 and a half points, my goodness. Uh, but that means there's problems with Northwestern here. I love Pat Fitzgerald as the head coach. He had absolutely nothing last year. He's not going to have a whole lot this year here. I think, I think Nebraska is clearly the right side of that football game.
1: We're going to talk NFL when we come back cover it continues after this
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: so we've talked some generalities with mark lawrence we talked about how he approaches college football over the summer, how we're going to look at teams that don't live up to expectations or exceed expectations early on. We talked about a bet on and a bet against team in college football early on Nebraska against Michigan State. We talked about the lessons learned from 30 years putting a football magazine together over the summer, and we talked about Mark Lawrence's playbook. We have not yet talked a lot about the NFL. Let's do that right here right now preseason mark less than four weeks away from the hall of fame game and the preseason opener and when it comes to nfl preseason data tell us what are the long-term trends what are the long-term angles what are the basic formulas for success betting the nfl in august well it all starts first and foremost with me teddy with the head
2: coaches because the teams will play according to the personality of the head coach. You know, I know, I think Vegas knows, the world knows, that a lot of coaches approach preseason differently. Some coaches evaluate players. Some coaches play to win at all costs. And it's only evident, uh, you know, to the point where you know you have standout coaches in the NFL football preseason. Uh, you'd be foolish, I mean, absolutely foolish to go against them unless you feel that there's value out the yin- because of the fact that they're so popular, but we're talking to John Harbaugh's of the uh, of the NFL preseason world. In his career, 37 and 12, he wins 37 of 49 preseason football games in the scoreboard. But better than that, he's thirty-four, fourteen and one to the spread. The guy plays to win football games in the preseason, and he's going to come into this year on a sixteen-one and one point spread run. So he's going to be the coach that you're going to. Everybody's going to be touting. Everybody's yep. going to be talking about coming this preseason. Now the question, your job, our job as a handicapper, is. Are we being uh, – do we still have value looking at the Baltimore Ravens because the whole world is going to know it. The whole world is going to want to come, which means, Teddy, you know, the sharps, the squarers are going to come together, and uh, all of a sudden it's a lopsided world when it comes to John Harbaugh in the preseason. You know, that's one approach. Uh, there's other coaches that we had in the preseason that were really, really good. They're gone. They're no longer there. Mike Zimmer was gold. John Gruden was really, really good in the preseason, but they're no longer in the league. So that leaves only one other coach coming into this uh, season, this preseason. here. We didn't have it last year, but it leaves only one other coach that brings a really, really good preseason record with him throughout his career. And that's Pete Carroll from Seattle, who just might be serious about the preseason this year, just given the fact of the way the season bottomed out for him last year, the fact that uh, they look like they're in a rebuild re- uh, mode in, in a sense. And he may want to establish that that winning aura amongst those football players here. So I've been to look real, real hard at a coach like Pete Carroll when it comes to the preseason here. The other stuff about the preseason, Teddy, is all what I call reactive. It's all based largely upon what teams did their previous preseason game. You know, Did they overachieve? Did they smash the spread? Did they get drowned to the spread? Those types of things. Those are the normal, typical type handicaps. But I do know going into the football season here, the first thing I'm going to do, is I'm going to take a look at the head coaches and see exactly how they approach the preseason.
1: And right now, week one of the preseason, you can find the Baltimore Ravens. Let's call them minus 140 slash minus 145 on the money line against the Tennessee Titans. They're two and a half or three point favorites, depending on uh, where you bet them. And given that Harbaugh is, he's twenty and oh straight up, right? 18-1. My number showed 20 and 0 straight up, 18-1 one and 1 uh, ATS or 18 and 2 ATS depending uh, over the last uh, however many preseasons. But the bottom line is, if you bet Baltimore right now at minus 140 or minus 145, you're going to get the best of the number <laughs> by far when it comes to week one. The Ravens will be a hot team in. The betting markets. Now, back in the day, the one coach we always, I always think about as a bet against was uh, Marv Levy for the Bills. And that's already 100 years ago now. But <laughs> Levy, if ever there was a coach that didn't care about August football, Levy was that coach. And, you, you know, he, he was as bad as Harbaugh was good. It was an automatic play every time the Bills were in a game. You just bet against him. There hasn't been a coach that bad since. But are there any bet against coaches, you know, the opposite of Pete Carroll, the opposite of John Harbaugh, guys that just don't care about winning games in August? Well, surprisingly, and there's a reason why,
2: and I'm going to ask you the reason why, but surprisingly, there's not a lot of coaches that are that bad or automatic play against in the preseason. And the reason is simple because bad coaches don't last they're not around long okay they're not <laughs> <laughs> you can't be 10 and 24 to the spread and come back again the next year okay that means your team's losing games and if you're if you're getting pummeled in the preseason you're probably not doing well in the regular season so, you know, a lot of these guys simply, you know, they just, they're short-term in that sense. Uh, Mike Vrabel, I'm going to throw this out at you at Tennessee, uh, he's just not shown well. He's only two and six straight up and against the spread. He's not won or covered a game at home in the preseason. So it appears that maybe he comes out of that school that he just flat out doesn't care about the preseason. More to be found out about him. But uh, he'd be the one guy I think I would look at to see, gauge him in his first game and see exactly where he goes. Because if he, if he saw. Hours it looks like that's the, that's the train it'll continue to ride.
1: And of course, Rabel's facing Harbaugh in week one of the preseason with Baltimore only minus 140 on the money line right now. So uh, you got your bet on coach and your bet against coach, and it's only minus 140. So uh, for what it's worth, that may be something. Where do you think that line's going, Teddy? Huh? <laughs> I will take the over on how line uh, on high on how high that line gets, which means again, yeah. why do you bet games early? One reason, only one reason to make a bet now for a game that's going to be played in August or September or December, for that matter, because you're getting the best of the number. And this is the scenario right now with Baltimore, that you can only get the best of the number at minus 140. You can only, even if Lamar Jackson doesn't play, this number's going up, wouldn't you think? Absolutely, it'll go up, and it'll go up for all
2: the reasons we just talked about here. You know, you're going to see Baltimore 4 four and a half when they play the football game, and that's going to be dependent largely upon the announcement of which quarterbacks they're playing, so forth and whatnot. But uh, just alone, just on what, the, what we talked about, the approach of the football game, this is
1: going to be one of the biggest moving numbers the first week of the preseason. And I also want to make one more point about something you were talking about when it comes to these preseason coaches. A lot of it's counterintuitive. All right. The bad teams have more roster spots open. They have more quality competition. They oftentimes have better third stringers. When you have a uh, competition for the second string quarterback position on the field in the second half, you have coaches who are going to be calling plays to try to get the ball downfield for those QBs. I love teams with a backup quarterback battle. And I much prefer bad teams than good teams in August. Bad teams have more roster spots. They tend to have better third and fourth stringers. Agree or disagree? Agree totally, and uh, I think it's imperative
2: that a person checks out the preseason quarterback rotations. And I'll throw one more uh, nugget on that top of that that cake that you just mentioned here is when you're checking out those preseason rotations, go look at the third string quarterback. If this third string quarterback was a former starting quarterback in the National Football League, and he's going up against third, fourth, and fifth team slop bucket players, he'll pick them apart, okay? Just his experience alone is gonna do just that. So, you know, for instance, you had last year Nick Foles. Uh, he was in an Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles situation with Chicago here. So, you know, just looking at that alone, you know, when Nick Foles got into the football game, it would be in the fourth quarter, and it would be against some teams, some players that weren't even going to be on that roster the following week. So, add that to your list. Just look at those third-string quarterbacks who are former starters, and I think you can also put an extra bullet in your in your
1: arsenal. That's a great point, Mark. I do want to put one caveat out there because I remember this is one that I've learned the hard way over the years. You want that third, you want the coach to say, yeah, we're going to give him some reps this week. Yeah, we're going to let him chuck the football around this week. Because I, don't, I can't tell you who it was, but I had someone who was playing the whole, you know, a veteran third stringer who was going to play the whole second half. And I think he threw four pass attempts in the second half and they were just you know they're just running the football and grinding clock and that was that. So uh, you want the quarterback uh, that third stringer, that veteran third stringer on the field and actually throwing the football because uh you can get that coach's quote to go along with it. It's a much stronger play. Um, Teddy is, is is Brian Hoyer back is Brian Hoyer back with New England again this year, correct? Uh, you know, I have not done my third-string quarterback looks yet, so I can't tell you. Okay, well, uh, if, if he is, and he was, and he was last year when they, yeah. they didn't play, but, I mean,
2: there he was. You know, he was behind Cam Newton, Mac Jones, Jarrett Stidham, and there was Brian Hoyer. And what a nice mop-up quarterback he is, and that's the case again this year, he'll fit the bill. <laughs> no
1: doubt. No doubt. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left here with uh, Mark Lawrence before we got to let him go. Um, I, I got so much still I want to ask you. Uh, first-year NFL head coaches, what are the trends in Angles show? Anything versus for first-year coaches or first-year coordinators?
2: Well, it, largely dependent upon the team they take over, Teddy. You know, how bad were they? Do they take over a, a winning football team where a coach left for another reason? That's all it, it, It's all subject, subjective, and it, you basically have to do your homework on it. The best thing I have on uh, new head coaches uh, is that they do well as underdogs, and they are poor as favorites. So just use that as a general guide. Good dogs,
1: bad favorites. Sure. And with first-year head coaches, in general, we expect improvement, as the season progresses, not quitting down the stretch. When you're looking for season win totals, um, I'd much rather play an under on a team who's more likely to fire their head coach than a team with a first-year head coach. Although there are times a guy walks into a new situation. It's a complete rebuild, a complete clean house. And it's okay to fade those coaches, those first-year coaches in those spots. Anything stand out to you in terms of an early win total, an early week one line? Uh, uh, th- 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 throw, our, uh, throw our listeners a-, a-, a bone out here when it comes to uh, an NFL win total or a week one game that stands out to you, Mark well i'm talking
2: to the master of win total so uh i hope you like these if you don't uh, i might be alone on a boat but bottom line here is i'm gonna look at uh, maybe two quick ones here i'm gonna play the bengals under for a couple of good reasons here one the super bowl loser two one of the best angles that i have that always works year in year out you find a team that made it to the super bowl that was a four win or fewer team the previous season before they got to the super bowl Teddy, they, almost, they plummet and they almost don't even show up the following season here. Cincinnati's got a big row to hoe this football season here. The other guy I'm going to look to play over. And it's not because they just signed Baker Mayfield, but I was going to be over, all over Matt Rules, Carolina Panthers this football season for a couple of other reasons. Number one, their defense was rock solid last year. They improved 54 yards a game. He did it largely without Christian McCaffrey, who should be healthy this year. And every Matt Rule football team that he's been with, Temple, Baylor, uh, you look at his record, he tr- his team's improved tremendously in the third year, which is the th- year number three in Carolina with the Carolina Panthers here. Now, Baker Mayfield's not certainly going to hurt that situation any at all because he'll be playing with a big chip on their shoulder. He'll be a free agent next year. I think you're going to see this total move in the Panthers here. I, I play them at five and a half over juiced, and I'm, I'm I think you're going to see six and a half, and maybe even seven by
1: the time the season starts. Look for the Panthers over the total, Mark. Real quick, playbooksports.com. Tell folks about it.
2: Uh, everything you need online at playbooksports.com. You can download the weekly newsletter. You can download the magazine. I have a coffee club I send out each and every day to all of our subscribers. It's an overview of the sports card from me to you. It's in your inbox each and every day. It's a free bonus. When you do subscribe, you can check it out all online at
1: playbooksports.com. Thank you so much, Mark. Enjoyed the time, and I think we gave our listening audience some good, bettable info. Cover it continues after this. you want to download and consume at your convenience just go to any podcast outlet search cover it with teddy covers and download and consume at your convenience i also want to note i said at the top i'm going to say at the bottom no cover it with teddy covers next two weekends i'm going on vacation baby of course we'll come back the last weekend of july and when that happens it's football season you'll catch me every week Right here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. we were just talking season wins with Mark Lawrence uh, in his final segment. I'm going to give you guys a season win opinion that I have as well. This is an opinion. This is a bet. I bet the Giants over seven wins. The New York football Giants, yeah, that crappy team that's gone under their win total each of the last five years. They go seven and ten, I push. They go eight and nine, I win. And I think the Giants can go nine and eight or ten and seven. I think this team is very live to be significantly improved from where they were a year ago. Look, what went wrong for the Giants last year? Everything, okay? Now you have a new head coach. You have a quarterback who's playing for his career. The difference between Daniel Jones having a good season this year and bad season? It's probably what? 100 million dollars? I mean literally. Um, I think he's in a good situation. The talent level is there at the skill positions. The talent level is there on the defense. They improve themselves in the trenches. And perhaps more than any other factor, based on, you know, I do my strength of schedule based on my powering numbers for each team each week. I don't care what the record was at the end of the season, I don't know how that team was ranked at that time. Last year, Giants faced one of the five toughest schedules in the NFL, based on my powering numbers for their opponents the week the games were played. This year, Giants a bottom five strength of schedule. They're facing a very weak slate, and I think they get to seven wins or more because of it. Giants over seven wins. There's your bet of opinion for the weekend. Hey, enjoy the games. Good luck! We'll see you guys at the end of July.